Welcome to the Business Muscle Podcast, where we empower entrepreneurs to transform their businesses into unstoppable empires. I'm Elise, CPA turned serial entrepreneur. And I'm Arielle, a seasoned physical therapist and business owner. We're two female entrepreneurs with a passion for helping small business owners like you achieve massive success. With our combined expertise, we've scaled to an impressive seven businesses in less than seven years. And guess what? Each of them was profitable right from the start. But we didn't stop there. We're here to share our secrets, strategies, and insider tips to help you turn your business into a thriving reality. And hey, we're not just all about business. As a physical therapist and fitness instructor, we'll also sprinkle in some fitness and wellness tips along the way. Join us on the Business Muscle Podcast every Monday as we guide you step-by-step towards financial freedom and building the business of your dreams. It's time to level up your business. Get ready to flex your business muscle. Today, we are excited to welcome Juliana Curtis to the podcast. Juliana is a mother of two and the visionary and founder behind the Energy Bar. She started her journey nearly a decade ago when she opened her very first location. Since then, her business has expanded now with three thriving brick and mortar locations. But that's not all. Juliana's innovative spirit led her to create The Drop, her very own on-demand fitness app, bringing her passion for fitness to an even wider audience. She was always launching new programs and pushing the envelope to elevate herself and her studio. We're so lucky to have her as a resource and a friend. Juliana, welcome to the Business Muscle Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So before we get started, tell everyone what the Energy Bar is. The Energy Bar is a, I like to call it a movement studio. We offer uh, bar style fitness, yoga, we offer meditation, and um, basically anything you can do without a machine, like everything is using your body. Um, and beyond what we actually do, like the movement of the body, uh, it's a lot about the energy of what we do. There's a fitness studio and a yoga studio on every corner. So I really like to think about what makes us different and it's, it's, it is the energy of the space, not to sound corny, but like what we prioritize and how we deliver to our clients and the people that walk in the door is what makes us different. And it's something that's felt, not really seen. I love that. I was actually going to ask you that as we got deeper to be like, so what is the differentiator? Because there are tons of bar studios and yoga studios, but there is, and like you said, like the energy when you walk into your space, it is different. Yeah. The vibe is different. You feel it as soon as you walk in. You look at their Instagram, you can tell it's different. We'll get a little bit more into that. But you opened your first location when you were 26. Yes. But let's go a little bit further back. Before you opened that first location, what were you doing? So I worked for Marriott in sales. So I was doing like group and room sales uh, and really feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled. I had gone to school for hospitality management, planned to do like wedding and event planning. But after having like waitressed through college, I didn't want to work nights and weekends anymore. So I found myself a role within the hospitality industry that was more typical hours, you know, Monday through Friday Mm -hmm. with some events here and there. Uh, But feeling really unfulfilled in that job Uh, and also I've really kind of only come to this realization recently that it was those early years out of college where I think most people find themselves feeling kind of unfulfilled and lost, wondering, figuring out what you're doing. So up until I graduated, group athletics were such a huge part of my life. So from 
as early as I can remember through college, I had a team and a, a you know somewhere that I needed to be to move my body, and like that was a thing. And so then I'm settled into this boring desk job selling hotel rooms and event space, and don't have that outlet for afterwards too. So then that is as it was around that time that I found group fitness and really fell in love with that. And I started teaching um, at a studio in my hometown and I loved it. It was like an instant click. It felt like what I was supposed to be doing. And so I went from teaching a little bit to really quickly teaching a lot. And I would teach early morning before that boring job and then after work after that boring job and on weekends, I just would do it whenever I possibly could. And that's where it all started. It's hard to picture you like working for somebody else. When I think of Juliana (laughs) at a corporate job, it really is. I feel like you're similar to me where I'm like, how did I do that for so long? I feel like we're we're similar in that way where we want to kind of pave our own path and be our own boss. And so thinking about little Juliana working like a desk job, I just can't picture it. Yeah. So you're working at the bar studio, you're taking all these classes, you're doing all these classes. And then was there always this bug in the back? Like, I want to do my own thing. Was it always bar or how did you go from teaching to actually go into your own space? Okay. So two things. So from like way back before college, before you really are thinking about like what you're going to do when you grow up, um, there was always a piece of me that felt like I would own my own business. For a long, long time, the dream was to own my own hair salon and be a hairstylist. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Life isn't over yet, maybe one day. Um, and then, and I had planned actually, that was my plan to go into cosmetology school after high school. And that just didn't work out for whatever reason. And a coach, an old coach had invited me to run at Endicott. And he was like, apply. I can get you a little bit of money as a scholarship and um, we'll do this thing. So I got invited somewhere. That's like a big thing for me. I need to feel included and like wanted. And so I was like, oh, somebody at college wants me. I guess I'll go to college. And so that's what I did there. Um, But so then once that like I left the hair salon idea behind, I was like, maybe I'll own a coffee shop one day or a little restaurant or something like that. So this idea of creating a space that was my own was always there. But even as I was teaching a ton and falling in love with bar and group fitness, that idea wasn't necessarily there that I that was what I was going to do on my own. I really loved the studio that I taught for where I learned, where I discovered bar, where I learned to teach. Um, I loved it. And so what I actually, the I did make a small plan, which was to phase myself out of uh, my job with Marriott because they had been as flexible with me as they possibly could, but I still didn't have the freedom and the space to really immerse myself into the studio that I wanted as much as I wanted to. So I found a job. I did leave Marriott and I found a job where I could have even more flexibility. So I was able to be more involved in the studio. And my plan then was to phase away from that kind of corporate working environment and work for the um, that studio where I was working. That was my plan. And then like one – and I just started to get a little – I became dissatisfied there. The more involved I became, the more important 
other unseen until that point, to other things that had been unseen to me until that point became really important, like the language that was used in marketing and the um, the mission behind the business and um, how clients were made to feel during, you know, different situations. That stuff all was revealed to me because I was there more, you know. Um, and so I started to feel like I wasn't quite as aligned as I thought I was with that business that I loved so much. And so just like we're sitting on a couch right now and you guys are my friends, you know, I was sitting with a friend. It was a couple months before my wedding and I was like, I just, I don't know, like talking about this dissatisfaction and how I was torn between loving something so much and being wanting to be so involved with it, but not feeling as though it was necessarily true to me anymore because there were things that I couldn't control. It wasn't my business, you know? Mm -hmm. So she said to me, well, why don't you just start your own? And I'm beginning to find as much as I'm like a pave your own path kind of person, sometimes those little invitations or um, uh, like – Sometimes I need somebody else to to create the vision of possibility, to open the window, you know, like this is possible. You could do this. You could go to college, come run here, you know. You could open your own business. And that same friend was the one who said, well, just start out of my dance studio. You can teach classes when we don't have classes going on in the studio. And so it was like, huh, okay. And so then the idea, the seed was planted and then it and then it just then took it off happened. from there. Yeah. So you're 26 at the time. Your friend says, come do my dance studio. And that was in Reading, yes. right? Reading. Yep. So your first actual, your own location was in Sona, but you started in Reading. Yes. So how long did it take from that conversation to you to launch that studio? And what did that time look like? So that conversation probably happened in... August because I actually think John was at his bachelor party. <laughs> but that might not actually be entirely true. I could have been on her couch during his bachelor party another time. But it was the summer before our wedding and we got married in September. So um, then it really was just like an idea. I believe that the idea started like spinning in my head, but I was really focused on wedding. And then we got married and John and I were in Aruba on our honeymoon. And I'll never forget, we were at this um, really pretty golf course restaurant, you know, like probably like two bottles of wine deep or something at dinner. It's significantly buzzed. And I was like, so I really think we should do this open our own studio thing. And God bless him. He's just like, okay. He's just really John's always the best. He's always just ready for whatever I say I want to do. And so, yeah, we like we we dreamed it up at that dinner, and it really became like a real possibility. And we came home, and I went back to my friend and was like, "Is this, you know, is that offer real? Can we really do that?" And she was like. 100%. She's so generous. She um, invited us into her space rent-free for three months. And she, you know, we had nothing. We really had nothing. And um, she wanted to see us be successful and have the opportunity to be successful. So we 
purchased equipment on a credit card and with like the little bit of money that we had and set ourselves up in there and used Facebook to let people know what was going on. And, and then in January we opened. So it was like a couple months of dreaming and then it happened. Nice. What were the initial classes that you had? Like what was the schedule like? So we had classes. My Monday schedule was I taught a bar class and then a burn class which was like our bar style cardio class. And so funny, some of our class names stayed, a lot of them have changed. Um, we had basically two classes a week and two classes a night weekday, one class in the morning weekday, and then two morning classes Saturday, two morning classes Sunday, and an afternoon class on Sunday. And so you were teaching all of those? Full. No, I started with, I trained a really mini team. So there were four of us that opened, um, myself, my sister, Kate, um, one of my sister's best friends, Melissa, and then, uh, a good friend of mine, Amanda, that was our opening team. I taught the majority of them. Um, but yeah, we had, we had a team, we had people. <laughs> so heading into the grand opening, what were you expecting? Um, you know, I don't know if I can really remember. I remember being nervous. I remember because I had left a studio. Um, I remember feeling a little bit gun shy about like being excited about and talking about my business because I wanted it to be done from a place of integrity. I didn't want it to look like I was opening my business to be spiteful, you know? And, um, and I, I didn't want to take from what somebody else had, but of course, as you know, like relationships are made and people follow you and love what you do or whatever. So, um, I remember always like feel initially feeling really uncomfortable about like how much do I push this and how much do I talk about this? And just, I remember asking God to like, let this be natural and organic. And, um, thankfully at the time, so we, the studio I had taught at was in my hometown and then John and I had moved to Stoneham, which is his hometown. So there was a good amount of distance between, you know, like the people who were going to my old classes, it wouldn't have made sense for them to start to become my regulars, you know, like that wasn't going to happen. But so I was like, well, who's going to come? You know, we did a week free classes. We did, we opened with a week of free classes, every single class on the schedule. And there were probably about like, I don't know, 14, 15 classes were free. And the first classes were Monday night. Part of the agreement with the dance studio was that I taught conditioning classes to the team, to the competitive team. So on our opening night, I had to teach. I had to, got to. I was scheduled to teach a conditioning class to the competition team and then literally would like walk out. I walked out and opened the door to people waiting to take my first bar class. So it was like, there wasn't really even time to like sit around and be nervous. And I had worked my job before. So it was like, just kind of chaos. But Facebook really helped us. You, you could post on Facebook and people actually saw what you were posting, like algorithms I don't think existed back then. And it was John's hometown. So he was really able to talk it up to his community of people. And I opened the door and there were a ton of people in the lobby and my mom was working on the front desk to check people in. And, um, 
and we sold out, you know, sold out every free class that week and just really, I, I, I don't remember what I was anticipating, but I remember going home and sitting on the couch that night and eating ice cream with John and being like, I think this could really be something and feeling really excited. That's awesome. And just to put things in perspective for people. So she opened at a dance studio in her very first month. She saw 149 new clients. That's not repeat, new clients. Within 10 months, and she's still in a dance studio, she did over six figures in the first 10 months. So this wasn't a slow growth. This was, you exploded. We did. We really did. Um, And I get embarrassed saying that. Um, which is like the yin and yang between you and I, right? Elise is yep. like, let me tell you all these. <laughs> let me see the numbers. Things. I was like, yeah, yeah. Juliana, pull out your Excel spreadsheets for this one, girl. <laughs> I know. I was, to be honest, because you asked me to get those numbers, it was like the first time I really ever looked at them in that way. And so I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I think it's so impressive. You know? And I feel like sometimes you need to, I know we're so different where I'm definitely more numbers. I know every single number that could be, about SweatFix, where you're more, you're so much more creative and just like you do a lot of things better than I do. It's just we have so many different, different strengths. We just do things different. Um, but I wanted you to see this too for yourself to see how well you've done. Yeah. I feel like it's a lonely journey sometimes, even though you have John, it's a tough journey. And sometimes it is look nice to look back and be like, we did six figures in less than 10 months with equipment that was on a credit card in the back of a dance studio where there was probably people that were hating on me at the time. And we did this, like we put it all together and we didn't know half is what we know now. And we were able to do six figures. A lot of businesses don't do six figures in the first couple of years, you know, they're still grinding. And so I think it's huge for you to step back and be like, look what we did. Yeah. So kudos to you guys. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool um, to look at. And I'm like, hmm. I wonder if I can start to like have borrow a little bit of an Elise mindset, you know, for the next 10 years of my journey. But um, yeah, it's it's funny to talk about. And it, I was excited that you challenged me to even like look at those numbers or have you bring them up um, because talking about money was not something that we I ever was really taught how to do. You know, was it – I grew up in one of those houses like – you don't talk about money, religion, politics, you know, and like, um, and then I didn't go into school for any kind of business or financials and things like that. So then like never that, that, that kind of language and talk, talking never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have had to, of course, I've had to learn how to talk about it. You know, I've had to learn how to talk about it with people who partner with me in the business or people who work with me and things like you have to figure out how to have those conversations. So on that level, I've gained um, a certain amount of comfort. But in this kind of an arena where you're just like talking about what I've done, you know, I'm like (laughs) – like my feet are sweating. You got to own it. You got to own it. You're killing it. So then – you opened your first standalone location, your flagship now. It's beautiful if anybody's been to it. There's two different rooms. You also have the living room. It's in Stoneham. What made you decide, you just said, like, we're going to go and open our own space? What was that decision like? So um, it was not really like a decision as much as, and this is the way life tends to work for me, is like uh, I get pushed into the uncomfortable place where then the next choice becomes necessary. So, uh, the dance studio, my friend's studio was 
also growing. I mean, she had been in business for a number of years before me, but obviously the intention is to grow and expand. And so she was growing to the point that we were able to have less and less time. And her growth and our, what really was rapid growth in that first six months, like we couldn't meet the demand and within that space anymore because we were losing certain class times and then also needing more at the same time because thank God people were wanting to come. So that, you know, dance schedules, just kind of like fitness schedules, you know, are changed seasonally. So it was like, the next season schedule was starting to get planned. Um, so I guess it was probably like early summer, the fall season schedule was starting to get planned for the dance studio. And we faced the realization that we were going to have a very different schedule um, and limited availability. And so we had to figure it out real fast, <laughs> really, really fast. And so I felt so nervous, um, you know, John and I rented an apartment at the time. We didn't own anything of our own. And um, and the idea of like commercial real estate, commercial leasing, there was no entrepreneurs in my family or anything that I had to learn from. So I was like, what do you even do? And I remember asking one of the girls on our team, I probably put on like a Facebook post or something, like, does anyone know of any like space for lease in your Reading? And one of the girls who was on my team was like, I actually am obsessed with looking for real estate. So like I'm on it. And she searched and sent me like three different listings. And one of them was the Stoneham space. And I was instantly in love from the pictures. Um, And I was like, whoa, that could be ours. You know, that is so cool. And there, I knew that's where it was going to go. I didn't feel that we were going to be in the dance studio forever. Um, But, you know, the safety of not having to move was cool too. But then once I saw this space, it was like balls to the wall. I was like, I finally am able to, you know, because what pushed me to leave and open my own space was wanting to be purposeful about the energy of the entire space, of how we speak, of how we market, of how we deliver, like the whole entire thing. Because I very much would like to be remembered for how I make people feel. And so then therefore I'd like our business to be remembered and loved for how it makes people feel, you know? And so then this next step of being able to, you know, choose the color of the paint on the walls and what hangs there and like, you know, what you look at when you walk in the door, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. So we went all in on that and it was like, it was rapid. There was a period of time where it was a little bit messy. Um, where like the fall schedule had started for the dance studio, we weren't able to actually open in our space until October 14th. So there was like a month and a half um, where we were kind of scrambling. This is when I started doing outdoor classes at the lake and people loved them. Some people loved them, but it was a necessity, you know, and at the time I definitely made it look like it was the coolest thing and exactly where you wanted to be, but it was a necessity. It wasn't really a choice. Um, and then we we opened up in Stoneham. And that was that. Did I answer your question? I'm so verbose. That's what John calls me. No, yeah, I love it. So what <laughs> what did you have to do to that space? There must have been a ton that you have to do. So fortunately, with a bar studio, it's not. Like we got this like vanilla box. 
And so it truly, there were wood floors and I've never done anything to the wood floors up there actually. And so there's like, they could use a little love, but you know, they're, they're weathered, they're aged. Um, but I didn't have to do anything to the floors and I chose to paint the walls. Um, swanky gray was the energy bar color, which looked like purple. It was like a purple gray, which is my favorite color. Um, so we painted, I had to have someone come in and put mirrors up and then, um, a friend and a a team member's husband installed the bars into the floor. And we, I mean, we got in there. I'm pretty sure we had the space ready in like seven days. Like it was like Columbus Day weekend and we were going away for Columbus Day weekend. And I remember being like, who can get into the studio and paint it this weekend? I need it done this weekend. And so a friend from high school, his older brother was like, hey, I'm like just kind of starting. Like I'm just starting. I'll get in there and do it, you know? And he, so I was like his first commercial job and now he's got his own painting business, you know, that started with the energy bar and he painted like all the energy bar studios that we opened. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, it was quick. And like my friend's husband who did work in there, like he was in there working from like, you know, seven o'clock at night until two o'clock in the morning, just doing like the things that we needed to do. And and I'm pretty sure he was in there until like an hour before our first class doing finishing touches and we just opened it up. That's awesome. So now you have the established space. Was it still just those original four instructors? Now you have more room to grow. Like what did that look like? Was so it pretty rapid growth? We had already done our first teacher training uh, to bring on more team members. We had, so from the original four, about like one month in, we brought on um, a friend of mine, Liz, who I did not need to train. She had taught, we had taught together previously. She had owned her own studio previously and she actually lived in Stoneham. So I connected to her and was like, hey, do you want to come teach? So she had started teaching and then one of my best friends um, from high school was, would take the classes all the time. And I was like, we need to train you to teach. So just trained her on the fly and she started teaching. She's still teaching. And then a couple months in, we did a first formal training that I think we trained like about 10 girls. And if they are not still teaching for us, you know, there's maybe one or two that like, I don't know where they are at this point in time, but if they are of the majority, if they're not still teaching for us, they're like still taking classes with us or taking classes online or have like moved and wish they could still be with us, which is a cool thing. So we had had that, um, we had, we had a bigger team ready to meet a a larger demand at that time. Great. And then you exploded. So then you went from (laughs) one studio in 2014 to two, you opened Beverly in 2015. You opened Medford in 2016. You opened North Reading in 2017. Hopefully you took a breath after that. (laughs) What are the challenges when you go from one studio to four studios? that quickly? Um, there's a lot of them. So, which you know. Uh, so the greatest challenge, hmm, you know what? One to two wasn't, one to two felt pretty organic. Uh, one to two, at that time, I was pregnant with Lennon. I was pregnant with my first when we opened Beverly. And so I, it worked out nicely in the sense that I was able to 
be there and be a part of the opening team. I find that that's really important. Like I've hesitated for many years and I'm trying to find comfort in using these words that like it's very important for me to be in the business. It's very important for me to be there uh, connected with the clients and connected with the team. Um, I've, you know, trial and error has really shown me that that's when we are most successful and that is when we are most aligned and cohesive you know, there's just a synergy. So I was able to be a part of this opening team, like run the grand opening, run the the initial promos, get people in there. Beverly is where I went to college and Danvers is my hometown. So I was like back to the North Shore. So those were like, I was calling on like my people, you know, where we really grew with people that I didn't know or people that I met through John and Sona. So that one to two felt pretty organic. And even though looking back, sometimes I like, you know, I put my hand on my heart for that, for my, my postpartum self going right back into teaching after four and a half weeks off. And, you know, um, there was that, but also like Lennon was just such a, a, he was the baby that I needed at that time. And he's still, you know, he's the, the eight year old boy that I need at this time. Like that he just, worked with me. You know, he came to the studio with me. It all worked. So we were able to still do that. And then I remember, you know, maybe Lennon was about like seven months old and John and I were at a Chinese food restaurant. And I was like, listen, I, I, I need a babysitter. Like I need, I need some help. I cannot be the business person that I want to be and the mom that I want to be with this all in tow, like doing both at the same time. I cannot split myself in that way. So I'm pretty sure John had some like funny words for me at that time and was like, oh, you know, you diva, whatever. But we found an amazing babysitter, nanny to help. And then I was able to split myself in the way I wanted, you know. Um, and so that that felt really great. And then the, the third studio, the opportunity for Medford came. I wasn't looking for it. Um, we opened our third studio out of a spa, Serenity in the City in Medford. And my sister Kate, who was a huge part of our operations team at that, that time, um, she's still a huge part of our instructor team, but she was like, you know, in it with me in the operations. She had worked with the owner of Serenity in the City and somehow heard that she wanted to, she had this open space that she wanted, you know, some kind of a fitness studio in or whatever. She's like, should you do that? So we went and checked it out. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess that just makes sense. You know, so then two to three felt pretty organic as well. However, that was where I found that I, I couldn't be physically in all these spaces in the way that I wanted to be. Um, and that's, that was, that was and still is a learning curve that I'm trying to figure out how to surf, you know, like how... How do I deliver what I need to a space that I can't be in all the time? Um, and then North Reading happened and it was, to be honest with you, I took on more real estate there than I wish we had and uh, entered into a partnership with another business that does great and it worked out while it did. Um, and then we met. COVID, and I think COVID changed the way that a lot of people run businesses. I know that it changed the way that I run my business and operate, and that 
and running that location no longer felt desirable in that way. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And I feel like it's a tough decision sometimes to close locations, but sometimes consolidating is the best bet. You can give yourself, you can focus more on the things that you really need to make your other businesses thrive. You're not spread so thin. And sometimes it's just as hard as it is probably to tell those clients or those instructors, that's just what had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's not an ounce of me that regrets it, which is nice having closed North Reading. Um, and I have an ego, you know, I've, everybody does. Right. But I'm a Leo. Like I've got, I've got a big ego that I need to keep in check. And I was afraid that, that saying that I closed a business was, or a location was going to really great or damage that ego. And it hasn't. I Definitely feel good about not. it. I feel like you need to think <laughs> about it. I know it's hard as an owner. It's like so personal. It's like you, this is my baby, but it's a business. Mm. And so when you have to think about it, you're like, it's a business decision. It comes down to the thing we don't love all the time, but the numbers. And so I wouldn't see it as an ego hit. I think it takes a strong person to make tough decisions like that. Yeah. Instead of just letting it bleed your energy and money and yeah. just resources, you made the tough call, I think, when you needed to. Yeah. I feel like we had some conversations about it, and I think it was the right time. And, I mean, I felt the shift in your other locations when you did because it just felt like you had more headspace to give to those other locations. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, like, so much – so much went into it. But like, tr like truthfully, like talking business, that location was our weakest link before COVID happened. So then the detriment of COVID, like, I mean, that was, it was like, it was bleeding. It was bleeding. And it was, it was emotionally, it was, it was hard from a business decision. It was not challenging to leave behind. Um, emotionally it was because the landlord uh, is a family owned business they were super, super supportive and helpful and did everything they could to help us be successful. And the business that we partnered with were friends or friends. And, you know, my decision impacted their, their business, you know? So like those pieces were hard. So I don't want to act as if making the decision, it was like, <laughs> screw this guy, like, see you later. Um, but it felt, I guess it's the, the fact that it was so aligned. It was so right. And like you said, instantly I had, I had like some life back and was able to put it into the places that needed it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest challenges that Elise and I are always facing is you have multiple locations going and you want to be everywhere at the same time, but you can't be everywhere at the same time. And I think a big piece of that is team, right? And the yeah. people that you choose to be in those places when you can't be there. So how do you find the right people for your team? And what do you look for in someone who's going to be coming on? Oh, gosh. So we, um, it's, it feels cheesy when I say this, but it's energy. Like it really is energy. Like do you, um, Elise and I, we've had this conversation many times. I think you can teach anybody, anything. If somebody wants to be a great teacher, they can be a great teacher. Um, within this space, like d does, does this space match your energy? Do you fit in here is really what I look for, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very rare that a new instructor hasn't come through our funnel of education because I partner with Cape Ann Power Yoga to run yoga teacher trainings. And I partner with Liz to run, uh, who's a member of our team, to run bar teacher trainings. So 
we run those periodically and often enough that then there's typically a new pool of people looking to come in and teach. And this industry is is interesting and and like cyclical because for the most part, it's primarily women teaching. And the lives of women and the demands that they have to meet as their lives go through different waves change. So even if an instructor wants to be teaching all the time, you know, like they get pregnant or their kids need them more at this time or they got a new job or do you know what I mean? Like, so it's, there is a constant need for new, new instructors, even though our retention for teams is really great. Um, And so Typically, they come through our funnel, so that just ends up being really natural. But we definitely have and would continue and will continue to bring people on who haven't gone through that funnel. Um, And what I look for there is I do – people may or may disagree or agree, whatever, but I do find it really strange when someone reaches out to me with interest to teach and has never set foot in the studio. We didn't even talk about this before, guys. This is <laughs> me and Ariel are always saying that. Like, it's my number one pet peeve. There's yeah. going to be another episode on this where I get it all the time. And I'm like, they email me and I'm like, you've never even taken a class, yeah. but you're asking to be an instructor. I am 100% agree with you. It's like, how do you know what our vibe is? How do you know what our clientele is like? How do you know if you even like our workouts, but you want to be yes. a sweat fix instructor? You want to during the fixed team, you don't even know what we do yet. So right. we talk about this all the time. I want to like scream it from the rooftop. If yeah. you want to become a fitness instructor, you absolutely can. But before you go and ask something from somebody or want to like schedule a call to pick their brain, I'll get on a call with anybody. But just, you know, you need to show up first. I always yeah. say that. Go show up. Go pay the $30 for the new client special or whatever the studio is yeah. and show face and actually show that it's something you want to do before you're like, nope, I want to schedule a call. I want to schedule an audition. Yeah. It's, man, we talk about this all the time. So yeah. You're preaching nuts. to the right people. And it's just like, but like, like, like how can, how can you know if you even like it here? Do you know? And like, so like I, I want that. This is what's so important to me. I want our instructors, our team to want to come to work. And as much as this is a job it, it's a job, right? So like, even though, you know, 90% of the time, if you're going to a group fitness class, your instructor is psyched to be there and wants to be there. It's still a job to them. And like, they still might've had a shit phone call on the way into work. They still might've had a crappy day. They might not be feeling good. Do you know what I mean? So like, so the space, the environment, the culture really matters. Them feeling like they fit there, they're a piece of it, they belong there really matters. And if that isn't there, then it's going to be so easy for them to say, yeah, this day sucks. I'm out. I'm not showing up, you know? And that is like, that starts with feeling the space and wanting to be a part of it. I couldn't agree more. So once you get them on the team, so you've been running it for over 10 years. And so management and actually managing these people, a lot of personalities, I mean, we see it at Sweat Fix and Fix. There's so many different pieces that go to managing it. How has your management style changed over the years? Because you went, you were 26. You had no kids at the time. I'm assuming there was a lot of things that changed. And what were some things that you found that worked? And what were some things that you found that, oh man, I could never do that again? I mean, we don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things. We don't have enough time if you want to know all the things I've done wrong. But... um Okay. So let's go back. 26 years old, starting a team with four people who were from my 
personal life, right? Uh, and so it felt like a little mini family that I was asking to come and help me to build my dream. And so there really wasn't a management style at that point. There wasn't really management, but there were expectations. And the expectations which still exist to this day, I think I've relaxed a little bit and also have allowed people to meet the expectations in their own way rather than doing things exactly my way, you know? So there's different, but like in the dance studio, it was like, this is how we greet people. This is how we teach the class. This is the structure that you follow. This is how you stack the mats after classes. It was like so specific. And I do like they, I started with the right people who graciously were just ready and willing to do that without any resistance. And I really do believe that that level of like obsession I had with the process of like client experience start to finish and knowing that that was dependent on the team, that is a huge reason for our success. So that's where it started. Then as the team started to get bigger, the studio started to get bigger. The demand started. It was like every, like you said, it was rapid growth. You can see that it was. So it was rapid learning curve too. Uh, and so we went from this small team to having to grow, to build it, bringing on people and personalities that I didn't know outside of the studio and learning how, you know what I mean? Like I was managing my sister. I've been managing my sister <laughs> since I was born, you know, like, whoop. Is Kate in a bad mood today? Stay out of her way, you know? Or like, and also like, yeah, she's my big sister. Like, I know what pulls, what strings to pull to get at what I want out of her, like that kind of thing. And and I had that that same kind of love relationship with these people from the early team. As it grew, you bring on people that you really don't know and you they don't know you in the same way. And so having to learn how to manage the expectations, um, in a more professional way, I guess. And what my mistakes were, I'm not going to get into all of them because truly it would be like a 10-hour podcast. But what my mistakes were were that I identified that I needed to be like, um, I needed to be a leader. I, and God bless you, mom, if you listen to this. The only true like leadership, female leadership experience I had was from my mom who kind of like ruled with an iron fist. And so there was a like, I had like a kind of zero tolerance for things and for people. And um, that didn't work out well. <laughs> and Truthfully, that didn't work out well. And most of those people who grew through that experience with me are still a part of our team. Like I have the most beautiful and amazing people on our team and um, I couldn't be more thankful. But so what I learned through figuring out how to run a business and figuring out how to, how to like be a leader um, and then through the experience of softening and having a child, like that I having a, two children and having a family and uh, that all happening at once is what's brought me back to where I am now because real, realizing that this rigid and unforgiving 
style of leadership that I had didn't work kind of brought me into a bit of like a shame spiral where I then let anything go, which was the other end of the spectrum and wasn't a leader. And that didn't work either. You know what I mean? I was like, I wanted to be forgiven of all of my sins Mm -hmm. and really kind of went in the complete opposite direction, which also a team can't thrive without a leader. And so it's been a long road back from, you know, that crashing sensation feeling of like really not doing it right to sitting back and watching what happens when you do nothing and then really coming in and being now the person who I want to be as a leader, as a mentor, as um, as as a peer. You know, I really do consider myself a peer to the people. I, I rarely say anyone works for me. I say they work with me. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been a long journey getting there, but it feels good. I think I think I'm doing all right now. <laughs> You're doing great, and you can you can feel it from your team too. You know, you feel like they're all very close knit. It's a very supportive team. I mean, every time I've ever been into the studio, it's that same client experience all the way across the board. So your training is definitely very effective. Yeah. And one other thing that we really love about the Energy Bar that you've done so well is your branding and your marketing. Just looks so oh, clean. You. Your colors are always. They match perfectly. Your photos always look great. What are some of the things that you've done to create that image and your branding? Yes. Okay. So I cannot take person. I cannot take a hundred percent credit for it. I'm involved, uh, but I have awesome people that I work with. So back in um, it was actually before before COVID before 2020. Is it it's funny like life how we before, life before after. COVID and after? And it's like so boring and annoying, but it's also so I feel like it must be the way people talk about like life before the Great Depression and after, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so before COVID, I I recognized our need to reestablish ourselves as a brand because we had brought we had evolved so much. So from being a fitness studio to being a fitness and a yoga studio um, with workshops and trainings and all, like so many different um, like our arms that our business had had taken on. So I worked with uh, Tara who owns Blender Creative. She's local to redesign, to create a logo that I felt like really encompassed what we do. So we went from having like the energy bar with like a fitness chick with a little like bicep muscle, if you remember that logo from way back, um, to this really, the logo that we have now, which is so beautiful, like the four circles and each circle represents something. It's very, very purposeful. Um, So that was like the first step in like really evolving our branding. And then during COVID, um, everything was online. Like the online presence was so, so important. And I didn't feel like we were nailing it. I didn't feel like I could, I was relaying all that we offer. I like, you know, it's like people either knew us as a yoga studio or they knew us as a bar studio, but people weren't seeing at once everything that we do. And so I found through my friend who owns um, an on-demand, an app, a bar app, her name's Kendra, and most people know her by Bar Alley. Um, she had had her website redone, and it was beautiful. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this so much. And I actually, I just have to tell this little story. So I saw it, and I was obsessed, and she tagged the people who did it. 
So I DM'd them. It was like late night. I was like laying on my bed and I DM'd them and I was like, I need to work with you. I didn't even say anything to my friend Kendra. And so then we made, we set up a meeting and the girls who own Fetch, the branding company who had done her website, um, they were like, we're taking this meeting. Like, just to be clear, like we, you know, we have a working relationship with Kendra. We need to make sure that this wouldn't be like a, a non-compete kind of issue with her or conflict of interest with her. And in that moment, I was like, oh, crap. Like, that was a crappy thing to do. I should have reached out to her first and just said like, hey, I saw your website looks beautiful. Do you mind if I reach out to these people? So then I did, of course, call her and she's like, you're crazy. Please work with them. And so then that's the way that started. Um, but I, I wanted to bring that up because I think that's such a beautiful like community and and people supporting people, business supporting business story. But so then I started, I reached out to them and I did sign on with them to build our website because I wanted our website to be able to really clearly relay what's happening in this space online and in studio and all that. And once they had built our website, I became, I really loved working with Olivia who owns Fetch and we just got along really well. And she presented me with an option to have like an ongoing, um, contract where she works with me and supports my, our monthly marketing efforts. So I, I've been working with her since. And so since that happened, it's been a constant like brand, not evolution, but like brand, um, what's a good word, like refining our brand and really, really working to like make everything so purposeful and clear. So I've I'm so flattered and honored that you feel that when you look at what we do. And um, so, yeah, I work together. I work with with Olivia who owns Fetch and we work on our social branding content and our our, our web content in the um, email marketing together. Well, the quality is amazing, but also what's impressive is the amount of content you put out. Do you guys have like a schedule? Do you have process in place? Like we want to get out this many posts, this many emails, because I feel like you guys never stop. It's always something's always coming out of the energy bar. It's exhausting. So the so the 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 creating is not exhausting. That's who that is who I am. I like I can't stop with that. It's like the catching up enough to put it down into words or on a post or in a flyer and let people know what we're doing. You know, I wish that I could just put my brain out and people would be like, "Oh, got it. This is what's happening now." Um, but so that's why it's really essential to work with someone who can take all that and help you out. So. It's been a like constant, like, you know, like evolution in how we do it. And we're really getting so much, it's getting so much more efficient. I'm proud of, of the, our, the way that we're working together right now, because I feel like it really is putting things out. So this could be helpful if anyone's listening and, and, you know, is working on social for their own business or whatever. What we do because creation is always happening when you're an entrepreneur. So the idea of like sitting down and having, you know, a month of content or, you know, six months of content just planned and created ahead of time, for me, that's impossible because I'm going to continue to create in the meantime. So what we've done, because we tried to do it and then it was like, it's not working. New stuff is happening. But so now what we do is we do 30 days out, we look what's scheduled. So I try to make sure all of our like things that need to be pushed, events, special workshops, class, special classes, new things coming on, um, we schedule that out and create the content and then put it all into um, 
like meta to just be pushed through when it needs to be. Um, and then once we have that plan figured out, there's always the things, you know, what we are, who we are that needs to be constantly put in front of our clients and hopefully new prospective clients um, that we then will build and create and put in around all of that so that we have a pretty good template of what our social is going to look like going out and know that we've got a really robust content plan. And so then what that gives us the freedom to do, what gives me the freedom to do is then real-time stuff that goes out where I feel that's our most authentic voice and it's always our most engaging content. Um, but the hope is that then something draws someone in that's that more organic and real-time content, but then they're on our page and they see, oh my gosh, there's this workshop happening or this there's this training. I could be a teacher or like maybe I actually will buy that new client special for $49, you know, like mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of, that's how we work it. And it's, it's feeling good and now not feeling overwhelming. That's awesome because you guys are constantly posting. And so I'm always wondering how are they doing this? Cause you're so good at it. Thank so you. it's awesome that you have such a good process in place because social media, it is the pulse of your company, right? Mm -hmm. This is what's going on. And same with us when we post something that's maybe not a professional photo, but it's something that actually happened in studio. That's what gets the most engagement. For sure. Um, and you are awesome in the sense that you share everything. You share your family. You share, like, you're just so open and it's so real and genuine. And I've, I've seen the bad side of social media at times too. And I feel like there are some times where you've gotten some hate, whether it be the studio or personally. Yeah. How do you handle that? Because you're so strong and I feel like you just plow forward and I we've had conversations. But for people that are listening that might be on social media and they post something that maybe didn't sit well because not everything sits well with people nowadays. Yeah. How do you handle that or how should they handle that? Well, so I, yeah. Hmm. What I will say is that you need to be strong and soft. And so, you know, you, you need to be confident and be able to stand behind whatever it is that you're sharing. I think if we're talking entrepreneurship, you there's there is a, a piece of you, an element of you that is impossible to detach from your business. So an insult to your business is an insult to you. A negative comment about your business is a negative comment about you. And there, you know, you can have a million people tell you not to take it personal and that it's not personal and this is business and this is personal and it's, it is not possible to separate. Um, and so to be aware of that and honor your humanness, you know, in that it's okay to not be a rock, you know, it's okay to be shaken when the thing that you pour your heart into the most is slighted, attacked, not looked at, not, not boasted about, you know, um, and those are not the only voices that you should be listening to. Um, amplify the voices that are telling you, that are saying what will give you what you need to be strong. You know, be soft when it hurts, it hurts. And then find your strength 
um, from love rather than spite. Find your strength from the 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 scrolling pages of positive Yelp and Google reviews and five star mind body and class pass comments and the the actual real people in your life who are picking up the phone to call you and say, hey, like, I see what you're talking about today. Like, are you okay? Or you're doing an awesome job. Or like, I'm so proud of you. You know, gather your strength from there. And I think kind of echoing back to that period of time where I was harder than I needed to be, you know, um, it was a defense mechanism and a wanting to be bulletproof because I knew how much of myself I was pouring into this place and I couldn't bear the thought of um, it not being loved and received well, you know, and back to a personal, like, and that is who I am. You know, I, I absolutely crumble at the thought of like people not liking me or like not being received well. And it, it's hard and inevitable, (laughs) you know, like, and it's inevitable. So instead of trying to armor myself or armor my business up to be able to handle any stones that get thrown at us, um, us being me and the business, I, try to be soft enough that like it bounces, you know, that it's like you don't break because you're soft. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. And like you said, you get thousands, I'm sure, of amazing comments about the business and about you and everything that you do, but you always remember the negative ones. Mm -hmm. It's like, we could just forget those ones, but you rally and it makes you stronger and you just continue to grow. So what's something that you would give as advice for someone who's trying to manage business and then life and home and family and those two things. What are some of the things that you found to be successful in being able to balance, you know, work and life? Uh, okay. It's that, that balancing doesn't happen on the scale of everything weighs the same at the same time. It just, it just, I don't want to say is impossible, um, but improbable for sure. Um, There are times when, like, I think you need to be so, so dialed in to the things that are important in your life. And for me, that's my family. And dialed out even more, that's my husband, my children, and then then the, the rest of my family, my friends, and my business. And they cannot all, I cannot pour into all of those cups at the same time. And um, truthfully, I would be a much, much more successful entrepreneur. And I probably would be very happy if I had started a business before ever getting married and having children. And like, there is another universe out there where there's a single boss bitch Juliana walking around in like the most expensive shoes and like, you know, like really just living that like individual life. Um, and so I honor that person and my ability to folk, like to focus in that much. Like I could do that. And I don't do that because there are these other beautiful things that deserve my water, water and that I want to give 
my water too. And when 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 one is one or more are going to be like sacrificed, like aren't going to be getting all of you, communicate it. It's the perfect example for right now is like November into December. Actually, it's like, yeah, November into December. I always say that I've been saying to John the last couple of years, like it's on you, you know, like home life is heavy on you right now. I just really dig in, go all into business, getting ready for holiday and then the next year. And I just like am in work, in sweatpants, grinding, you know, like burning the midnight oil. That's what happens. The way I work is it goes in waves like that. Um, this year, it, 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 it started in October and I didn't realize it was starting. And then I, we started noticing some like friction at home, you know, between John and I, when we're not able to spend time together, we get really bitchy with one another. And then we have to stop and realize, and we're like, oh my gosh, we're not, we're not jiving because we're not spending time together. And so I had a few like business opportunities. I was just out in Texas and, and then we've had a couple other things going on. I'm getting my 300-hour yoga teacher certification right now. So before the like usual expected disappearance of Juliana, where I like go way more all in on work, it was it happened earlier and it caused some problems at home. So we had to be like, oh, shoot, this is what's happening. So kind of a long story to say, be so dialed in and so in tune with where you need to and want to put your energy and communicate with all the people that matter so they know they matter and all the things that matter. Because then you can take, you know, like pour the other way. In the summertime, I I, I, I take a night, I, things go nice and easy for me at work, you know? It's <laughs> nice. John told me I had a really nice summer and he was ready for me to get back to work. <laughs> John, we're John. coming for you next. You're going to be on the podcast <laughs> next, John. So just just hang in there. Um, so you've seen over 20,000 new clients over the last 10 years, which is amazing. It's a huge <laughs> stat. But how do you approach your innovation, the changing markets, constantly like people are wanting new things? You've seen 20,000 different people. How do you even start to like comprehend that? And how do you adapt to like everything that changes in our market constantly? So I don't think I'm an adapter. I don't, in the sense of like adapting to the market, like, you know, that's not in my, my language and terminology. So I, what I'm about to talk about probably is like, I guess the, the accurate response, but I, I have to talk about it from my way. So like for me, it's like, what? does it feel like people need right now? What do, what do I actually feel like I have that's unique to be able to offer? Because there, I didn't invent bar or yoga, but I do think that I have a very unique approach and that the business has, the energy bar has a very unique approach in how we deliver things. And I think it's because we're on pulse with what is what is happening? What are people experiencing outside of here that coming in here will deliver to them what they need? Because if you want to talk fitness, right, there's like a million people out there in the world and especially online. And I always think everybody has the same al algorithm as me that, that like tons of fitness stuff shows up. And then I remember that they don't because they're not, they don't run a fitness studio, you know, but like, so I can be flooded with, you know, people saying that this is exactly how you work out. You need to work out 
in order to have, you know, longevity or this body type, or this is the exact right way to do it. You know what I mean? And, and while scientifically, maybe some of that has truth, I mean, there's a lot of garbage out there, but while scientifically, maybe some of that is true, I don't believe that takes into account people's lived in life experience and what is happening. And I 1000% think it is far more worth my time and energy to have my pulse on what's happening and how can movement support a healthy, vibrant life. And like, yeah, a hot body, if that's what you're going for, um, then to be, you know, teaching exactly how to layer the right amount of squats with the right amount of weight and the perfect amount of rest days and keto and all that shit. Like that doesn't interest me. What interests me is like people. Amazing. So when you look back at the last 10 years, what is one thing you're most proud of with the energy bar? Take We were obviously most proud of your family. We'll take Bodhi and Lennon out of there. But in the energy bar, last 10 years, what is one of the most things you're proud of? I am... I guess I'm just going to say what's on my mind. I feel most proud of how I have grown up within the energy bar, like how much I have experienced personal growth because of that place Uh, and what that says to me at a higher level is how that is available to anybody who comes to the studio. Yeah, that's amazing. And it sounds like that's exactly what you had a vision for before you even started. And it came to life, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it was, and then and then it was more, like that meant more than I could have imagined at that time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was, it was, there's like, sometimes it feels like weird, like a premonition, you know? Like, <laughs> um but yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I am really proud of that place. I love it. Yeah, and that's incredible. And if you haven't been yet, you definitely need to check out the Energy Bar. I think there's so many great takeaways from everything you've shared with us today. So thank you. We like to end every interview with our fast five. So five quick questions. Oh my gosh. To end. <laughs> so first is what is one non-negotiable thing that you do every single day? What is one non-negotiable thing that I do every day? Go for a walk. Oh, I love that one. Uh, what is one bucket list place that you'd like to travel to? I want to go to Paris. And John told me he's not taking me there, but stay tuned. We're free. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best or worst piece of business advice you've ever received? Ah, I'm, this is not going to be a fast five because it's funny. Um, the worst piece of business advice I ever got was to choose one thing and like be good at it. And someone sitting on this couch right now whom I admire so dearly has said not the same thing, but like very similar, like, mm-hmm. like fight, pick your lane and be freaking good at that. Um, and I tried for a long time to follow that advice, but this part of me that is like this, like, um, a creative spirit, I, I can't, I, 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 um, I like die in what, in like one thing, you know? So the, 
be great at one thing. Sure. We've got that. But like, I would never stop trying other things, you know? Yeah. So, and so to that, there is not a piece of business advice that I think could, I think get all the freaking business advice you can and then find what lines up with your spirit because we're all so different. Right. Yeah, find the find the entrepreneur that you want to be. What are three words that you would use to describe that you think an entrepreneur should have? What are three characteristics you think an entrepreneur should have? Uh, integrity, compassion, and bravery. And what's one thing if you could go back and tell little Juliana who was working at someone else's studio, what would you tell her? I would tell her to stay true to herself. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find the energy bar, how they can sign up and check out your beautiful spaces. Well, hi, I'm Juliana. Come find me and my amazing team at the energy bar. We have three locations, Stoneham, Beverly, and Medford. Uh, Most of our locations are like hidden in plain sight. So if you are going to sign up for your first class, please check out the locations tab on our website so you know exactly where you're going when you're coming to find us. Um, We are bookable through MindBody and also on ClassPass. I know. I am gonna. I don't like ClassPass, but I'm on there for you because I love you. And um, you can find us online in the App Store. It's called the Drop on Demand. You can find fitness, yoga, meditation on demand, and you can find us on Instagram at the underscore energy underscore bar. Um, and I would. Let, I hope to see you or talk to you. Great. And you guys know where you can find us. We're on Instagram, Business Muscle Podcast, and businessmusclepodcast.com. I'm Dr. Ariel.dpt. And I'm Elise Cairo. Juliana, thank you so much for giving us your time. Always a pleasure. Me. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. You just finished another episode of the Business Muscle Podcast. If you found value in this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews mean the world to us and help us reach other listeners who can make a big impact in the business world. Don't forget to join our Business Muscle Podcast Facebook group where you can ask questions and chat with other like-minded entrepreneurs. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll bring you more expert advice and practical strategies to help you thrive. Thank you for being a part of the Business Muscle community and we'll catch you in the next episode.